0: All right. Well, welcome to Parallel Church. We are in part two of a series uh, entitled "Relation Slips." And again, I, you know, I prepare these messages months in. Into- As I prepare these messages, you know, I review them through the week, and it's funny because I go through and review, you know, this week these messages and, this, and the and the verses that I'm going to share with you. And I was like, I, you know, all the stuff that's going on this week. I was like, these verses could be interpreted. In in something that's going on in our nation, and and you could take it that way if you'd like, but we're specifically talking about rela- you know marriage relationships and romantic relationships, and and talking about how to, how to and and I think it's appropriate and it's it's timely uh, because I know that we're all human and that you're much like me, that when there's stresses going on externally and outside, whether it's at your job, that that can easily come home. Whether it's in our nation, that can easily come home. And that oftentimes when we're feeling the pressure outside and we're feeling hopeless outside, it translates into, into messes at home and we create problems at home. And so in the midst of all of this, I believe that the hope of our nation is, is Jesus and I also believe that this, the foundation, a strong foundation for our nation is a healthy home. So we're gonna talk about marriage and relationships and, and, and all that and we are called this series Relations Slips because there are, last week I, I read a stat that the three leading causes of divorce in Canada are issues of money is number one, uh, cheating number two, and, and constant fighting or conflict as, as number three. And these are these are the the slips, the most common slips. These are the cliffs that relationships no one attends when we get married or when you get into a relationship to slip or to have struggles or to end up in divorce. And yet according to stats can, there's 100,000 250 divorce filings in 2019 in Canada. 100 107,000 divorce filings. Nobody none of those none of the 107,250 people when they got married, intended that they would end up in court one day um, filing for divorce. Nobody intended that. In the States, the CDC says that America averages one divorce every 36 seconds. That's roughly 2,400 divorces each day or 16,800 divorces each week or 876,000 divorces per year just in the U.S., and not one of those intended you know, to end up in divorce. And yet, somehow, at some point, they went off the cliff and it became hopeless and they gave up. And, and in the midst of all of that, enormous amount of pain and brokenness and anger and bitterness and all this ends up happening. And no one intended to go off the cliff, yet they went off anyway. And in this series, we've been using the metaphor of guardrails, where guardrails are, are put up, you know, at the edge of a cliff, but they're put up in the safe zone to, to create a small accident so that you can avoid the big accident. And so in this series, you know, I'm going to be talking about how to establish guardrails in your relationship so that, you know, as I don't care how much you feel you're in love, that all relationships you know, our, our work and that take effort and that we it's wise to see trouble coming and see issues like issues of money and, and sex and communication coming and to set up guardrails in the healthy zone to avoid going off the cliff and to becoming one of these statistics. So today, last week, we talked about money and, and how it's the leading 68% of divorces in Canada had to do with issues over money and how to set up guardrails in our relationships when it comes to money and to, and to avoid those tensions. And, and so I gave you some practical advice. If you weren't here, i encourage you to go back and, and listen to that message and give very practical advice on how to set up healthy guardrails in your relationship. Well, today, I wanna to take on this, you know, the second one, and the second one is, is constant fighting, or we could, we could narrow that down to criticism. And how we end up just kind of constantly fighting and nitpicking. And I think there's a couple of reasons why this is is increasing and getting worse is, let me just be really blunt. In today's generation, us today, me included, all of us today, we do not know how to communicate. Nobody wants to amen that one? Come on. We don't know. Because Listen, we're in a generation that doesn't know how to disagree and still maintain a relationship. That if we disagree with one another, the relationship's over. Isn't that right? We don't know how to confront healthily. We don't know how to receive confrontation healthily. And so what ends up happening is we end up we end up in a place where we just divide and separate, and and we think we're we're healthy. And- all the rest of it. And you can blame our, our lack of skill in communication. Today, you can blame it on young people these days. Come on, it's not just young people these days. It's all of us. Let's just be honest. We can blame it on technology, and it's those devices. And, then, you know, we, we, and, and yes, people can get bold as, as lions on Facebook and say a whole bunch of stuff that they'd never say to your face. I know that. We can hide behind these devices, and that's not right. I know that. But at the same time it's not all that it's all it's, it's communication is a skill it's a learned skill that we need to work on and develop and and learn how to communicate and especially when it comes to our relationships because this poor communication that we have in society we bring home and we end up thinking that if we disagree with our spouse, then we you know we're going to have to separate or if we have confrontation that we're going to you know, if we confront or if we fight that we're gonna, that we're going to you know we're going to divide just like everywhere else and so we end up harboring a lot of this stuff inside and afraid to confront and not confronting we don't know how to confront we don't know how to receive it and our communication breaks down and it is one of the leading causes of divorce is constant fighting or or just poor communication and surprise surprise Um, This is not a new human problem. This is a human problem for decades and thousands of years. In fact, the Bible talks about it a lot. This is what the writer of Hebrews says in in, in Hebrews chapter 12. He said this, Work at getting along with each other. That wasn't written this week. (laughs) Work at getting along with each other and with God. Otherwise, you'll never get so much as a glimpse of God. Which... When you look at this verse, it's going, okay, it it doesn't make sense. Like, if you were to write this sentence out and and all the rest of it, and you were to write this out, it it doesn't make sense because what would make sense is work at getting along with God if you want to see a glimpse of God. That would make sense. But it what doesn't make sense is work along work hard at getting along with each other so that you can see God. That, that, That doesn't make sense. It's like, what? In other words, again, the writer of Hebrews. Reiterates what John said, what Jesus said, what Paul said multiple times all throughout the Bible that our relationships with one another, our horizontal relationships, affect our vertical relationship with God. That he, John said it this way in 1st and 2nd, 3rd John. He says, You cannot say you love God and hate your brother. In other words, you cannot say you love God and not express love through people and to people. And yet, expressing love isn't a feeling. This is, we got to get this right. It's not a feeling. It's work. That's what he says work at getting along with each other. Which I love bringing this up in premarital counseling because it was brought up in my premarital counseling is like, you know, marriage is work. And, and, they, and the couples that I tell this to in premarital counseling, they have the same look on their faces I had on my face when my pastor told me that. It's like, yeah, we're so in love. How hard could it be? And then any of us who've been married longer than a year or two know that love is work. That we have to work at getting along with each other. We have to work it, how? So what kind of work do we have to do? How how do we work at getting along with, he, he goes on, he says, make sure that no one gets left out of God's generosity, that generosity is about God's grace or undeserving favor, his forgiveness. I mean, God generously gives us favor, generously gives us forgiveness. In fact, the Bible says that while we were still sinners, he died for us. That means he forgave us before we asked for forgiveness. That's the generosity of God's forgiveness. He says, make sure no one gets left out of that generosity. Then he says this, keep a sharp eye out for weeds of bitter discontent. A thistle or two gone to seed can ruin a whole garden in no time. That's poetic Bible talk for make sure that discontent doesn't poison your heart that is going to poison then your lips that is then gonna poison your relationship. So let me, let me break it down to what that one sentence means. Last week, I said this, this is our takeaway last week was, conflict is the space between what you expect and what you experience. Okay, so what that means is, if you have an expectation, and your experience is different, to the degree that your experience is different than your expectation is going to be conflict. So if you have an expectation for your spouse and your experience is different than what you expect, there's going to be conflict or tension or discontent is his word in between. And the greater the di- the space, the greater the conflict. Which I find fascinating if you just think about it, that the two leading cause or the three leading causes of divorce in Canada are, are issues of money? Anybody ever have a tension or a conflict between what a difference between what you expected in your money and what you're experiencing? Anybody ever have that? Come on, we all have. I don't care how rich you are. You have an expectation to be richer, right? Don't we all? Like the the, the our expectations. Our one thing, our experiences, are typically something else. And the greater the space, the greater the conflict. Well, no wonder money is 68% of divorces in Canada to do with issues of money. Because that's an easy place for conflict to happen. Because it's an easy place to see a space between expectations and experience. But how about sex? Our expectation versus our experience. Man, I could make a whole lot of jokes. I'm just gonna leave that one. I don't know if Pastor, uh, I'm not gonna give his joke up, Pastor Ralph. Pastor Ralph, if they're watching online, come on, give them a big hand. 40-year anniversary. Wow. If we had a church basement, we'd be down there right now with tuna salad and egg salad and pickles and cake and celebrating you but we don't have a basement thank god and so you guys can nobody grew up with that Uh, anyway but conflict is the space between what we expect and what we experience and when it comes to our communication we have expectations and this is what the writer of hebrews is saying is we have expectations regardless of what it is and we when we don't experience it we have a decision to make Personally, as to what we do with that disappointment of uh, that space between what we expect and what we experience, and, it, and what he says is that's a discontent, is that I expected this and I'm experiencing that. I expected her to do this, and I'm experiencing this. I expected him to to, to provide this or to say this or to do this for me, and I'm experiencing this. And what you do with that discontent, and this is what the writer of Hebrews says, is, is, hey, work at getting along with one another and keep a sharp eye out for that disappointment or that discontent. Because if you leave it, he says a thistle or two is not a big deal. But if you leave it, go to seed, it can ruin the whole garden in no time. If you leave that undealt with, it's going to go bad. And Jesus said it this way. Jesus said that, he says, your mouth is eventually going to speak what your heart is full of. He said this in Luke 6, that a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. In other words put these together, the writer of Hebrews says, when you have disappointment, and by the way, when two imperfect individuals come together, you're gonna have a conflict. You're gonna have experiences different than expectations. You're gonna have disappointment. You're gonna have discontents. That's gonna happen. It's what you do with those that matters. And the writer of Hebrews says, work at these relationships and especially keep a sharp eye out for those disappointments, those discontentments. Because if you leave it undealt with, it will take root in your heart. And, if, and what Jesus says, it's going to eventually come out of your mouth. And when it comes out of your mouth, that's what happens. And, and because we don't know how to conflict properly and confront properly and how to, to communicate properly, what happens is, is we are afraid of the fight that it might bring up, and so we don't bring it up, and we just let it sit there, undealt with, and then it it, it stays undealt with, and then it, it, and it grows, and then it, it grows, and then it grows, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> or not all of a sudden, is instead we start getting little nitpicky and, and critical, and we just start we start finding ourselves being Critical and finding fault with the other. And and what happens, and I counsel lots of people, and I've counseled lots of people in marriage, and, and I've counseled lots of people through separation and lots of people through going through divorce and different things. And there's multiple, multiple times where I've I've counseled couples, and then all of a sudden they call me and they call me and going, I don't know what happened. She just left. I don't know what happened. He just said he was done kicked me out, or he laughed. And I don't know why that came from. And what happens is, listen, relationships and undealt with discontent is kind of like playing Jenga. You remember the game Jenga? Is you you pull out the block, you got a tower of blocks, and you pull out a little block, and you pull out one, unless you're really clumsy, the tower still stands, and you pull out two, and you pull out three, you pull out four, and you, you you just go back and forth. Until eventually, and it's, it's good, like you can nitpick and you can be critical and you have all these little sayings, but eventually you pull out the wrong block at the wrong time and the entire tower comes crumbling down. And then when it comes crumbling down, we're going, well, how did that happen? Because we didn't have one really big incident that created this divorce. Like, what happened? That he just left. Like, what happened? What was it? And it was just, it wasn't that it was one more explosive event than another, that one big, it just was the final straw. It was the wrong block at the wrong time. And what ends up happening is that we have undealt with discontent, disappointment, and we end up leaking out little criticisms and little critiques, and we find fault, and we start picking on, and eventually the other person can't take it, and we just, it just crumbles Am I speaking the truth? So what do we do? Well, Jesus told us. Luke chapter six. He says, don't pick on people. Jump on their failures. Criticize their faults. Unless, of course, you want the same treatment. Now the truth is, we all have faults. And we all have failures and the people that get to see it most of all, our faults are the people closest to us and it's not the matter that we have faults or we hide faults, like that's what dating is is hiding all your faults, that's, that's basically <laughs> dating, right <laughs> alright, it's hiding all the yeah, all, that's what dating is, and then, then marriage is like, oh there it is And then what do you do? Jesus says, don't. You like that? Like He doesn't say, say, hey, try Try to be nice. He's like, don't. Don't pick on people. Don't jump on their failures. Don't criticize their faults. Unless, of course, you want the same back. Then he says, don't condemn those who are down. That hardness can boomerang. He says, "Just, just don't. Don't. It's. It's. The truth is, in marriage, it's our strength of our marriage is how we treat each other, not in the moments of love and and gushy feelings and and love, like the what defines a marriage is how we treat each other when our faults are on full display, when our when our when our, the other side's on full display. It's how we treat each other in that instance that's going to determine our marriage. For better or worse, right? Not just for better. For better or worse. And Jesus goes on. He says, be easy on people. You'll find life a lot easier. Or let's put this into today's message is, be easy on your spouse and you'll find your marriage a lot easier. How? It's interesting Jesus just says, don't be critical. The writer of Hebrews, protect your heart from discontent. Like, don't let it take root. Don't pick on their faults. Just don't do it, be easy on them. and They'll be easy on you. How? And this is where, this is where the guardrail comes in because what Jesus gives us as the how is so unexpected, but it's a guardrail, a guardrail set up again in the safe zone, that if you practice this, you, this, is, this is the how to make sure that criticism and criticalness and disappointment, and discontent doesn't get into your heart, that it comes out of your mouth, that you begin hurting the person that you love the most. This is how Jesus, and it's surprising. Look at this. This is how Jesus taught us to set up guardrails, to address our, our communication and to avoid criticism of one another, constant fighting. He said this, give away your life, and you'll find life given back, but not merely given back, given back with bonus and blessing. And then he says, giving not getting is the way. That right there, that one sentence is the best advice for marriage ever. Giving, not getting, is the way. You want the best in relationship? Giving, not getting, is the way. Giving, that uh, we can all say amen until we're the ones that have to give and not get. But giving, not getting. Then he says this, generosity begets generosity. Which, which I read this and I'm like, time out, time out, time out. Time out, Jesus. Stop being so ADD and you're not taking up an offering here. You're talking about marriage. Like, because we take, we separate these into verses, don't we? And we think, and we use this, you know, generosity. We use this verse for offerings and and talking about giving in church. And we use this verse, but we don't realize that this verse is in context of how to get along with one another. Remember, he says, don't be critical. Don't do this. Get along with one another. Be easy on people. And then he says, the way, the guardrail is generosity. Okay, so let me, let me, let me back this up. (laughs) What am I saying? If you want to, if the writer of Hebrews says, hey, protect yourself from becoming critical, protect yourself from discontent, protect your heart and, you know, work at getting along with one another. And then Jesus says, don't pick on people and don't be critical. In the midst of all this, the guardrail is generosity. What Jesus is saying, how to weed out the thistles of discontent in your heart is by being generous. He also said this in another way in Matthew chapter 6. Actually, his first sermon, by the way, he said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, that's Bible talk for you can lead your heart with your wallet. Come on online. Help me. It got really quiet in here all of a sudden. But let me, let, let, me just put this, let me just put this into context for you. Ladies, help me out. Did he buy you more flowers, chocolates, gifts when you were dating than he does now? <laughs> Sorry, guys, I'll get to you in a minute. I wonder, I'm wondering, I, I look at this, is there a correlation? Is there a correlation between... Finding faults, discontent, disappointment, space between expectation and experience. And we start to see this and we start to get critical and undealt with and all of a sudden the gifts stop. Or slow down. Guys, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll heal you up in a moment. (laughs) But I want you to see something. Jesus is saying where your treasure is, your heart will be also. In other words, what he's saying is you can lead your heart instead of following the feelings. And when you're first, and come on, ladies, like, let's be honest. When you were dating, you didn't show any faults, any flaws. You went up, did you dress up differently for him than you do? Guys, this is your turn now. Mm-hmm. You put on a different self, for your, all the rest, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? All this happened, and we see the correlation. And as we go back, this this is giving, not getting. We we end up following our feelings, or the expression of this, and our treasure then follows our heart. What Jesus is saying is, where you put your treasure, your heart's going to follow. So if you want to lead your heart in your relationship to make sure that it doesn't become full of thistles of discontent and all the rest of it. He says, lead it with your treasure. So what I'm saying, what I'm saying, guys and girls, what I'm saying is if you want to protect and set up a guardrail to go off the cliff of, of criticism and of, of bad communication, you need to be generous one, with one another. Giving, not getting. And if you're generous, you'll set up a guardrail that will protect your heart from becoming critical. That's what Jesus said. Because a guardrail, think about this, a guardrail is a, per, is a personal standard of behavior that becomes a matter of conscience. So what am I saying? That generosity to your spouse most of all. Generosity to your spouse most of all. This works for any principle. If you're being really critical of your boss right now, you can actually weed your heart of that criticism through generosity, and she's like, no, not a chance. Okay. What do you want to get back? You can leak, come on. You can, you can set up a standard behavior. What if, husbands and wives, what if we set up a standard of behavior of being generous a ritual of being generous. So generous that if we're not, we feel guilty. Well, that wouldn't feel very good. for Like, I don't want to feel guilty. That's creating the small accident to avoid the cliff. Are we getting this? So what if? Here's today's takeaway. What if? Instead of following your heart, you chose to lead it. Instead of following, just following the feelings and then I feel a twinge today. So I'm going to buy her flowers. What if I set up a standard behavior that becomes a guardrail that I could become generous and lead my heart? And what if I kept a, like the writer of Hebrews said, keep a sharp eye out for discontent? What if I feel that twinge of discontent and I'm going, I'm weeding that sucker out and I'm gonna give her something? So why is if he starts buying you a whole bunch of stuff then you can start asking questions like, what's up? Just kidding, just (laughs) kidding. Kidding. What am I saying? I'm encouraging you to create a habit. Of being so regularly generous with your time and your money toward your spouse most of all and in doing so you're going to set up a guardrail that will protect your heart from the bitter weeds of discontent and bitterness let's pray god i thank you so much for how practical your word is and how you lead us and, and teach us how to have healthy relationships. I pray that we would, Holy Spirit, that you'd shine a light in our hearts and show us if there's any weeds in there, of discontent or dissatisfaction or disappointment. And then would you help us lead our hearts to be generous? Thank you, Jesus.
1: Amen. Paul says in Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he rose again from the dead, you will be saved. So I want to go through a prayer with you right now that does exactly that. And it's not joining a religion. It's not joining a a church. Simply just a relationship with Jesus. So if you want, uh, close your eyes, bow your head, repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I confess that you are God. And I believe that you rose again from the dead. And I ask you now to become my lord, to become my savior, to become my friend. I thank you that my past is past and that I can begin anew with you today. My heart is yours, Jesus name. Amen, amen. So guys, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, there's gonna be a link in the comment section that you can click on. If you prayed that prayer for the first time and accepted Jesus as your savior, click that link, fill out that form. We'd love to send you a Bible just to kind of help you on your journey. uh, And we'd love to just be a part of it and help you out as, as best as we can.